In the morning, my brothers and sisters in Christ, how are you today? Once again, you have come to the podcast that is dedicated to the vigilant study of God's true and redeeming word. American culture is full of noise. Distractions take our eyes off of Christ, the one who provides the only thing that the people of this world need. Pride, greed, wrath, envy, lust, gluttony, and sloth. What the ancient church called the seven deadly sins pretty much encompass the same problems that we face today. The way we dress, the way we talk, the things we desire really haven't changed in any substantial way despite our technological and cultural advances. What we really need is salvation, forgiveness, hope, and truth. All of these things are found in Jesus, in the Word, in the Gospels. I am the way, the truth, and the life. John 14, verse 6. The words of Jesus, true and trustworthy as always. We all need this word. And if you're listening today, I'm thrilled. Don't stop here. Keep going. Read your Bible daily. Read more meditations that point you to dig deeper and think harder on God's word in that same Bible. If you hear the word and believe, you know that this word is for you. If you hear it and you're not sure... This word is for you. And if you hear it and you still don't believe, the word is still for you. But not just for you. It's for the all y'alls out there. Don't stop listening even if you're uncertain or you think it's hogwash because you haven't heard it all yet. But our podcast isn't a church. You can't receive all the blessings that God wants you to receive through your TV or the radio or your podcasting 2.0 compliant app on your phone. No, there is so much more that you receive when you come and see Jesus. How can I know that for sure? Come and see, and then you'll know too. Church services are held at St. Mark and Bemidji Wednesdays at 6.30 during Lent and Advent, in other words, right now, and every Sunday at 8 and 10.30 a.m. What this podcast is, is a good supplement. It's a way to stay in the Word between the times of the divine services. And we do our level best here to bring you good quality meditations on the Word. Today our sermon comes to us from Timothy Church and is delivered by Pastor Allard. The reading is from Exodus, and I think you'll find the message familiar. May God bless our time together in the Word today. I direct your attention to our first lesson we read from Exodus 20. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the water below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servants, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. 
For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male or female servant, his ox or his donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. So far the word. A rag, tag, newly minted nation of former slaves. They still had the scars on their back, showing the signs of that oppression. And in front of them was an insurmountable obstacle. The Red Sea stretching out before them, as far as the eye can see, and on both sides of them mountains, and behind them they can hear the echoes already across the desert dunes, the wheels, the chariots, the army of the Pharaoh, and his army intent on dragging the Israelites right back into bondage. And in the face of such overwhelming odds, what could the Israelites do? But in that moment, God sends a violent but perfectly controlled wind to literally carve a path through the sea. And see the Israelites step into that sea, and as that wind carves the path, maybe almost like walls of glass, the water on either side. And they make their way through. And as the last of God's people make their way to the far shore, the waters come crashing down, swallowing whole the chariots, the army of the Pharaoh. And in that cataclysm, we see not just Egyptian death, we see the birth of a nation. A new life of liberation for God's people. So this exodus is a living testament to the obedience that flows out of freedom. And what I just said sounds like an impossible thing to the world. It is an impossible thing. But right there, in the middle of the freedom that God had given, God's people want to obey. Now, if you wanted to summarize all of the commandments as a concept between a father and a child, and it's not too far off the beaten path to describe Israel this way, because God spoke of Israel as a baby, an infant that was cast out, that nobody wanted. And so it's not too far from the way God talks of Israel. And if you want to think of God the Father on the one side of a great chasm, and us, the children of God, both Jew and Gentile, and with these commands, you have the Father at the other side, and there is a narrow bridge over the deep chasm, and he starts us by saying, look at me, look at me, Don't look out there. Do not look down. Just look at me. And now come. 
Because isn't that what God does right from the start? Listen to what he says in our lesson to his people. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You see what God was doing? Reminding them how their father had cared for them. That they could trust him. That's, that's why he reminds them of everything that had just transpired. Things like the river Nile running red with blood. Not like blood, actual blood that killed the fish in the river. He reminds them of the turning of the hearts of the Egyptians so that when the Israelites left Egypt, the Egyptians actually gave them their treasures. That's insane. Who would do that? But they did. He reminded them of the pillar of fire by which he led his people through the wilderness by night, a pillar that moved. And he reminds them of the greatest gift at the foot of Mount Sinai that he gave to his people. His word. Why remind them of all these things? You could think of it in so many ways. The simplest of things. Like a king, there is a difference between a king who fights right in the front lines with his people in war, as opposed to a king who ever and always is back there, telling his soldiers to go ahead and die for him. God fought for his people Israel when in Egypt. And so why did God remind them of all this before he even dropped one command? So they could hear the command rightly. Because as soon as they start hearing those commands, what's the reflex going to be? Anybody who's a thinking creature and is actually using their gift of reason is going to hear commands like, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord, and go, there's no way I can keep that perfectly. There's no way. And they're going to hear these things, and they might be tempted. The temptation would be to simply give up in the face of such a God. But that thinking doesn't work. When we have a healthier mind, not even perfect, but healthier minds, we know that thinking doesn't work. If you lead, lead that kind of life in your academic life, if I don't get a 4.0, and if I don't ace every test, I'm just going to quit school. If I'm in the doghouse because I said something stupid to my spouse, I'm just going to give up on the relationship? At work, we didn't get the latest client. Another company snatched them up. They didn't go for our sales pitch, so I quit. It doesn't work. God knew he was demanding perfection, and he knew the despair that could be created in the hearts of his people. And so he says, look at me. Don't look around, not yet. Don't look down, just look at me. And so he starts dropping commands about him, God. Only look to me for help. That's what the first commandment says. Just my name and only use my name to rescue people. And remember the rest that I have given to you. And also literally as a free people so that you can remember thee rest. And so that someday when the Christ would come, we would see a person who would never rested, who rested so little that he fell dead asleep in the back of a boat, on the, in the middle of a boat, in the Sea of Galilee, in a storm, 
So exhausted was he, and he did not rest in his mission to save us until he was literally dead. Do you see why God begins by saying, look at me and remember the rest that I gave you? Because Christ does say, there is a burden of sorts that he gives to us. But we might mistake the source of this burden. Listen, Matthew 11, Christ says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. When someone hears a command of God and knows they can't keep it, what do you feel? A weight, a burden. But the psalmist knew. Psalm 38 verse 4 says where the burden actually comes from. My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. Does Jesus give us a burden? Only in this sense. Just living in a world where you know the truth Yet the world and your own sinful nature resists it. That is the burden. The guilt that comes from our corruption, that is the burden. Not even a command of God is a burden. And so Christ tells us, honor me, honor me first. So you can have rest. Did you know that, of course you would know, you're in Minnesota. In the heart of the wilderness, the American wilderness, there is a silver thread. You could call it an infant little stream that dances joyously over the rocks and passes through verdant valleys and forested areas. And as it winds its way through the wilderness, it becomes bolder. And it starts to run faster and run deeper. And the stream swells and deepens until it becomes a mighty torrent roaring and thundering until it can rightly be called the mighty Mississippi River. Right? You know this better than I do. It's in your state. Now my state. The lifeblood of a nation, though, that river, right? Now tell me, what's more important? The river? Or the source that feeds Lake Itasca? Itasca, forgive me. I don't know the right way to say it. Or is it the source of the river that's more important? We understand the answer. Going right back to the commands of God. Look at me. Honor me first and foremost. Do you see why God leads us right to the source? Before he starts talking about, now start looking around. Now look at your neighbor. And of course, you're going to start thinking like God does. And you're going to start thinking, yes, of course I'm going to uphold authority in my nation. I don't want a nation where the police dissolve and the government just goes away and there's just absolute anarchy in the streets. Of course I'm going to uphold authority. Why wouldn't I honor my parents, the very ones who gave me life? That doesn't mean we honor their sin, but why wouldn't I honor my parents? And yes, I am going to cherish 
the sanctity of life, especially for those who cannot speak for themselves, those who are not even born yet. And certainly for those who are older and weaker, God is trying to restore his image in everybody. Everybody is equally valuable. All lives matter. And yeah, I'm going to embrace truth in my life. I'm not going to accuse people of crimes they didn't commit. That's insane. And I'm going to work, and God help me to do this, to actually cultivate an attitude of gratitude in my life, to be content in a culture where it seems that's almost a forgotten thing nowadays. I'm going to work to be thankful for what I have. Well, whatever was going through the minds of the Israelites, when they heard the commands of God, this is what they said, Exodus 19, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Now the Israelites knew God. They remembered what he had done for them, and now they could actually have the ability to value themselves and then therefore value others. It all starts like the head of a stream, a river, with God, then us, and everyone. And then we start to realize the commands are what they always have been, an expression of divine love. Those Israelites, what they saw at Sinai, it didn't last. All the smoke and fire that had been erupting from the top of that mountain range for weeks now, now, it's gone. Now it's a sunny day today, and now the Israelites are getting ready to embark to journey away from the foot of Mount Sinai, and they carry with them more than just stone tablets that were etched with the commands of God. No, they are carrying with them the memory of their own promise to obey those commands. And why obey? Because they were terrified of what they saw on the top of Mount Sinai? No, we talked about that two months ago. That kind of fear of God metastasizes into hatred for God. It does not last. Those who understood what God had done knew it's the mercy of God that gave them their freedom right out from under the Pharaoh's nose, right out from under the whip of the slave master. That's what motivates them. Did you know we too are called on the same journey? Not out of that slavery. You know the slavery that we've been called out of, though. And God has called us from the slavery of sin, and it begins just like with the Israelites. It begins with mercy, and then it continues with our response that says, I want to obey. Tell me your will, Lord. Teach me. Because we know the commands, they are not chains. They are not bondage. They are a foretaste of heaven and exactly our description of how heavenly citizens will live. And so we have our reason. To keep the commands of God imperfectly, and yet clothed with the holiness of Jesus Christ, we have our reason to keep them. So may we carry the spirit of the Israelite people. In this specific sense, a people as a people liberated by divine love And on that foundation of that love, obeying. Obeying as the freed people that you are. Amen. I sincerely pray that today's meditation on God's word has enriched you. 
Didn't get enough of God's Word? Are you missing out on that in-person fellowship? We hold divine services right here in Bemidji, Minnesota at 8 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Sunday school and adult Bible study is also offered between our Sunday services at 9.15 a.m. We also live stream our Sunday divine service at 8 a.m. You can ensure that you are notified when a stream is live or a new podcast is available by subscribing to our YouTube channel. It's easy to find by typing in St. Mark Bemidji in the search bar and clicking on the subscribe button. Want to listen to meditations the way I do every day? Subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. Go to podcastindex.org and search for St. Mark Bemidji to find us. This is our fifth year producing this podcast, and there is a large archive of devotional material online available if you want to learn more about God and His Word. Visit www.stmarksbemidji.org or look in the show notes in this podcast for a link to this and many other meditations on God. If you have any questions or you would like more information about our church and its ministry, please visit our website, which is once again www.stmarksbemidji.org. May God bless the rest of your day.